Welcome, this is Karen Modikaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. I'm really excited today. I'm doing an interview with a former guest who's been on a few times, Alexandra Franzen. She's a writer, a consultant, and an entrepreneur, and she now lives in Hawaii. I knew her back when she was living in Port, actually before she was living in Portland, and then she wound up moving to Portland. So she's been a guest and we've talked about many things. And this time we're going to talk about social media, which is kind of a great time because I'm going through my own social media changes at the end of 2020 and my poorly behaving on social media and watching people and consumption of time. I've been making decisions about how much time I want social media to be a part of my life and what I want to do with it and what I don't want to do with it and what capacity I have for it. I think a lot in terms of the capacity, the capacity that we have. And I was finding that there'd be nights where I would get into bed really tired, wanting to go to sleep. And I grab my phone because it was such an easy thing to do, not a whole lot of brain juice. And I would start scrolling and then 60 minutes would go by <laughs> and I would be frustrated and irritated with myself because that could have been reading a book or watching a show or imagine this, getting some extra sleep. So slowly I've been taking more steps and I talk about something, a step I took many, many years ago that's been an ongoing practice and then even more recent steps of in the last couple of weeks. And I talk about it when I do the interview with Alexandra. So I will circle back with you afterwards. And I am so excited for you to learn about her journey through social media and letting it go. And I'll come back and check in with you. Alexandra, welcome back to my show. It's been a while since you've been here. It has been a while, like years a while since, since we've spoken, really. It's been a minute. Yes, yes. But now I get to see you. Here we are seeing each other and you're across the ocean in Hawaii and I'm in California and we get to see each other. So thank you for being here. I wanted to talk with you about social media because one of the things that I've noticed just with my own brain is as we've gone through this past year with COVID and so much changes is that my capacity has been really diminished, right? Because there's been so many decisions to make of, do I wear a mask? Do I go on this walk with a friend? All of these different things of how to do the, the things that we used to do without having to think much. And I've noticed myself of, I would get into social media and then just feel like I was going down a rabbit hole and coming out not feeling very good. And slowly over time, just shifting away from it and how much better I feel. And you've been talking about this for years. So this is not something new for you. So I want to invite you here to talk about it and about your decision to remove social media from your day-to-day life. So would you share? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think what you're describing is something that a lot of people can relate to, right? That feeling that social media can be so beautiful and it can also be so draining and so distracting. And especially because many of us get really 
I, I hesitate to use the word like compulsive or obsessive, but it can feel that way, right? Where you're, you're checking numerous times a day, you're posting numerous times a day, you're scrolling, you're reading, you're commenting. You can easily go into that wormhole vortex where suddenly you blink and, you know, a whole hour has gone by and you've sort of just been, you know, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling and getting increasingly anxious. So yeah, a couple of years ago, it's actually, it's hard to believe it's six years ago at this point, I started to really, can you believe (laughs) six years ago, I started to really look closely at the role that social media played in my life. And I started to make some decisions. One experience that prompted that, I call it the train moment. It was I was jogging in downtown Portland, Oregon, which is where I used to live. And I was jogging, I was running, I was walking, doing my workout, but I was also distracted by my phone. I was, you know, kind of like walking and then peeking at my phone, jogging and then picking a new song on a playlist. And then I'd stop at a stoplight and I'd go on Instagram real quick to take a photo of my sneakers to, you know, prove to the world that I was indeed out running. (laughs) And so I was kind of like jogging along in a very distracted state, half on my phone, half in my body. And I almost got hit by the train by the the light rail train that goes through downtown Portland. And it was just that split second moment where something in my body went, whoa, stop, jump to the left. I jumped out of the way just in time as I felt the train, you know, roar by. And my heart was pounding. It was a terrifying moment. And that was a real wake up moment for me, like a wake up call where I realized, whoa, you know, the way that I'm using my phone, email, the internet, social media has gotten way out of balance. And this is not helping me. It's actually harming me. And this level of kind of distraction is really not okay. And I want to make some changes immediately. So that was a pivotal moment. (laughs) And then after that, I I made some changes, you know, I decided to take a, at first, just a very short break from social media, just like take the summer off and see how that would feel, right? I'm an entrepreneur and I was worried that leaving social media, even for a short time would hurt my business, right? I think many people have that fear, but I just told myself like, it doesn't have to be a permanent decision necessarily, but I'm just going to take a short break and just rinse out my brain and see how it feels to not have this be a daily part of my life. And that was the beginning. I took the summer off. It felt great. (laughs) Like you mentioned a moment ago, like you're noticing how good it feels to step away. I noticed that my brain just felt a lot quieter and calmer. I noticed that I was able to really focus and concentrate more deeply on, you know, writing and serving clients and more high level, you know, cognitive tasks. And so at the end of that summer, I realized I don't want to go back. You know, I I just, at this point in my life, I don't want to be on social media. It's just not a fit for me. And I decided there are plenty of other options. You know, we don't have to use Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, et cetera. 
Well, this morning when I was going through my emails and looking up some stuff, because you and I have known each other for a long time. And so I was digging through my emails with you. And there was one that I just came across and it was like, Alex is now on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) But a huge blast from the past. So you don't have any social media handles. No, and I, I used to be on everything. Like I got a lot of encouragement from mentors and people that I admire in the early days that I was starting my business. And people said, you got to be on social media. You know, that is the place to be. That's how you're going to build a community and build a tribe and build a network. That's where you're going to find clients and customers. If you want to get a book deal, you better get on social media and build a huge following. So like many people, I, I felt that pressure, you know, to be on all the places, do all the things. So at one point I was, I think I, I had briefly had a Facebook account. I, I had Twitter for a couple of years. I used Instagram for a while, Google Plus, LinkedIn, Vine, which I don't think even exists anymore. <laughs> I was on Vine. I started a YouTube account for a hot second. You know, I, I, I did them all. Pinterest, I was everywhere. And I found, as many people discover, that, you know, yes, there were some perks and there were some beautiful things that arose because of those platforms and communities. But overall, it began to feel like more of a distraction than a help. And that's what kind of guided me to delete them. And it was gradual. I think first I deleted Twitter, then I deleted Instagram. It was a gradual progression until eventually I just decided, none, please. (laughs) I'm just going to, I'm going to delete all the accounts and just be free of it all and focus on other ways that I can share my message. So I, I focused strongly on building a mailing list, for example, which felt like a place where I could share information about my work and services, but in like a quieter way and in a way where I could control, you know, the messages going out rather than being exposed to a thousand messages coming in. And that was one shift that I made. Yeah. One of the concerns that entrepreneurs have about not being, well, there's the fear of missing out, right? But the idea is, and this gets hammered over and over of like, well, email is dead. Yeah. What do you think (laughs) about that? I, I mean, that has not been my experience at all, personally. I'm someone for whom email marketing is a really big part of the strength of my business. I've over the years cultivated a readership on my mailing list. And I mean, my mailing list is probably the the primary way that I announce services and courses and projects. And I found it to be very effective. And I, I think the key is if you are going to create a newsletter, a mailing list, doing it with great intention and care so that every newsletter you send out is like a beautiful gift to your readers. And every newsletter you send out is the best email they've gotten all week long and focusing on quality over quantity. I think where email marketing doesn't work is when people are blasting things out really carelessly or blasting things out way too frequently, you know, overwhelming people with too many emails. Or another pattern I see that maybe you've observed as well is when, let's say somebody starts a mailing list and they are kind of writing consistently for a while, but then they sort of 
disappear and they just stop writing, stop sharing, stop sending things out. Two years goes by and then suddenly that person is like, oh, shoot, I, I've got something I need to announce. And then they start suddenly blasting their readers with a bunch of messages all, all at once. So I think email marketing, you know, when done with intention and care and creativity can be super effective. And of course, that's just one option, right? There's so many other ways that we can do marketing without social media, whether it's like running a contest or a challenge, sending old school snail mail, sending postcards, brochures, hopping on the phone, having a meeting, taking someone to lunch or a virtual lunch, collaborating with a fellow business owner to do some kind of joint partnership together. There's, I mean, there's just unlimited options. And I think these days, I think we get very narrowly focused on like, I need 100,000 Instagram followers. And, and that's the only way, you know, that I'm going to run a successful business when that's just not true. There's so many other possibilities if we're willing to open our mind to it. Yeah. That's so interesting because the whole idea of the fear of missing out and, you know, not being on every platform and social media is, oh, I'm, I'm going to lose these opportunities. But as yeah. you present that, it's so prevalent to realize, oh, this is one, but there's so many other ways right. to connect with people, as you mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I really flip that around like, okay, if you're not active on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the other platforms, sure. I mean, you could take the perspective of like, I'm going to miss out on certain opportunities, but you could also take the perspective of look at what I gain. Look, I gain so much time back. I gain so much energy back. I gain a clearer mind. I can think deeply. I can do my best work because I'm not distracted and pulled in all these different directions. And perhaps you gain the opportunity to connect with your potential clients and customers in a deeper way, you know, in something that's deeper than just a tweet. Maybe having social media not be part of the equation forces you in a good way to come up with other ideas. Could I pick up the phone? Could I send a personal email? Could I send a gift in the mail? Could I do a really cool, noteworthy panel event that attracts media attention? There's so many other options beyond social media to get the word out about what you're doing. So yeah, I, I look at it as I think you really, you end up gaining so much. You gain so much more than you might lose. Ooh, you know, so earlier this year, California, we had some storms and actually it was more the wind than the rain that created a bunch of problems. And we lost a lot of trees and branches mm -hmm. and stuff. And yeah. people kept focusing on the loss, right? And I noticed that even like with COVID, people focus on the loss. But so like the loss of social media, but you're talking about, but what's there to gain? Yeah. What's there to gain? Yeah. Absolutely. There's so much that can be gained. And I want to be clear also, like, there are people out there who feel like social media is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And there's people who feel like social media is evil. It's terrible. I, I kind of fall right in the middle. I, I don't actually think it's good or bad. I think it's just a tool, right? It's a tool like a toaster or a stapler, you know, it's a tool and it all depends on how you use it. And it depends on how it makes you feel. And I think my message is more, not that social media is good or bad, but that social media is optional. 
rather than mandatory. That's really what I want people to think about is, wow, have I fallen into this spell where I feel like social media is required for success? That's not true. It's not required. It's a possibility. It's an option. It's optional. And you can decide if you want to use it or not. And either way, you can achieve wonderful success with whatever you're doing. Well, and to remember too, is that it is designed to pull you in, right? So going circling back to when you were out on that run, it is designed. It's like, oh, I need to go there. Oh, I need to go there. Right. So we create that habit within ourselves. Exactly. Yes. So there's some really powerful books that have come out lately that talk about just how social media and so many other digital tools are literally crafted in such a way to make them addictive and enticing and to just pull you in and pull you in and pull you in and to be habit forming, right? So there's some great books that have come out recently. I love Brainwash by Dr. Perlmutter. That's a great one about how technology influences our brain. There's books like Indistractable, books like Deep Work. A friend recommended recently, I think Catherine Price is the author, How to Break Up with Your Phone (laughs) is another book that's come out recently. So there's a lot of new voices emerging right now and a lot of science emerging right now about how, you know, it's technology can be really powerful and helpful and it can also be really harmful. And we need to be aware of what is happening to our brains when we decide to engage with these tools. Well, and it's so true. I think it's, you know, we hit so much decision fatigue. And I know when I get tired, like more tired, say like a Thursday night by the, as we get hit towards the end of the week, it's more difficult to have the structure or, and I don't really like the word discipline, but really the discipline, right? To enforce stuff. And so it's easier just to slide into that social media. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well, I'll just sit here and look and then keep going. Yeah. And so one of the ways, like a small step that I've incorporated is normally my phone has always been next to my bed. And I had the reason of like, oh, but if somebody needed to call me, if one of my coaches needed to call me early in the morning, I'd want them to be able to access me. And I still have a landline that they have phone numbers to, right? So, but just in the last two weeks, I put it here in this office so that my phone is here. There's no need to like, oh, all of a sudden I'm exhausted and it's much harder for me to hold true to what I choose. And it's easier just to go down the slide of what's happening in the world. And then feeling that kind of frustration at the end of like, oh my gosh, that was an hour. I could have been sleeping. I could have been reading, right? There's so many other things I could have done. Yes. So I, there's, yeah, I feel you. It's a, it's a slippery slide, right? <laughs> down that route. And it's by design, right? Again, like we were saying, these tools are designed to be very enticing, very compelling, and to just draw you in. And I mean, one thing that I've done in my household that's made a big difference for me is creating a charging station. You just designate an area of your home or office or whatever and you get, you know, one of those landing strips where you can have a couple different outlets, plug it into the wall, and then that becomes the station where you put your devices when they're not actively being used. So plug in your laptop, plug in your iPad, plug in your phone, plug in your wireless headphones, plug in whatever, all of your stuff, like a little dock, right, where all the boats <laughs> come into the harbor. And then building the habit of 
if I'm not actively using this device right now for like a specific intention, then rather than just setting it by my bed or setting it on the couch where I'm going to be tempted to pick it up again in five minutes, I'm going to put it away. I'm going to put it in the charging station. It's kind of like tucking it in for bed for the night, right? (laughs) And it's a small thing, but that little shift of just kind of changing the environment in my house, it's been so powerful. And I chose a spot for my charging station that's a little bit out of the way and where I can actually close a door. There's kind of like a hallway door. So in the evening, I can literally put my stuff in the charging station, close the door, and then it's out of sight. And it's not like I've got all these devices sort of strewn around the house where I'm going to reach over and just start scrolling mindlessly because it's there and I'm feeling tired, right? So little things like that, that you know don't really cost any money or take a lot of time, little changes to your environment can start to then change your habits through the day and, and really make a big difference. So that's one thing I've done. And there's other steps too, but that's a big one that I think almost everyone could put into practice. Well, and that's huge. And it's so, so interesting because when our kids got cell phones, when they were young teenagers, we have an island out in the kitchen and that's where they had to put their phones because I knew, you know, too many teenagers who'd be texting until, you know, one, two in the morning. I'm like, no, sleep is so, so important. And it's so interesting. Like as you're sharing that, I'm like, well, yeah, that's exactly what I need to do. Like create my own charging station out here. And I've been slowly doing it device by device, but I think there was the resistance of, but I'm the adult and those are my kids. Right. But really, I was helping protect their brain and their sleep, but I won't do it for myself until recently. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I think that's so Mm. common, right? Like we, we take such good care of our, our elders, our kids, our clients and other people, but then we don't take our own medicine and apply it to ourselves. Yeah. And there, there's also, in addition to like, you know, environmental changes, like creating a charging station, there also has to be like an internal shift, a mindset shift or attitude shift about how accessible you want to be, right? Like I used to be that person who would sleep with a phone next to my bed and I would wake up and before I even got out of bed and brushed my teeth, I'd be scrolling and looking at emails, right? Because I felt like... I need to be accessible. I need to be available. My clients need me. I need to reply immediately or, or again, or I'm going to miss out on something. I was doing sarcastic quotation marks in the air. And over time, I just began to really challenge that thinking and really question it and go, who says, right? Like who says I need to be available via email 24 seven and who says I need to reply to every email immediately? Like who made up these rules? And and does that actually make any sense for what I'm trying to accomplish right now? And so little by little, I think by by questioning these autopilot (laughs) habits that we have, you can start to make some new decisions and go, I want to be the kind of CEO who checks email twice a day at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m., And I reply promptly to a couple of matters and I save the rest for another day because not everything necessitates an immediate reply. And that's okay. That's how I want to lead. That's the example I want to set. And that's what I'm doing from now on. And you can start to build like new policies for your life that make you feel 
calmer and more powerful and less frazzled <laughs> and you know, for lack of a better term, like just feel like your best self, feel like the best version of yourself as you go through the day and feeling like you're using technology and it's not using you, right? That's a big shift that mm -hmm. feels really good. Years ago, I had this program called the year of yes. And so every month they made kind of commitments to themselves, like yes to themselves. And I did it with them. And one of the first things that I did was not grab my phone first thing in the morning. And this is years ago. And it was uncomfortable like to do that. But as I did it and got more in the habit, I was like, wow, I'm not reactionary to what problem is in my inbox. I can start my day. And by not having the phone, and I've gotten so much better because now this has been six years. But sometimes, like again, like on a Friday towards the end of the week when I'm not as, you know, I'm more tired, it's a little bit more of a negotiation that goes on. Well, could because part of me goes, well, it's the easy thing to do to check the email because then I could be quote productive. Right. <laughs> right. But it's not productive because then just the shit storm opens up in my brain. <laughs> Instead yeah. of what are the tasks that I want to get done? What are the things I want to get done? But I've noticed not having the phone constantly available or taking off certain email accounts out of the phone, right? And having them only here on this desktop it's that deliberate space that you're talking about, which has been this most beautiful thing. And then on my calendar, I say, okay, this is the time I'm going to come in and check the emails for that email group. It's life-changing. Right. <laughs> it's like such a small thing. And yet the ripple effect is huge. And it's about, you know, taking back control too, right? Like so many people just feel, like you said, so reactive. Like, I need to check all these emails. I need to reply immediately. I need, you know, every time I see my phone, I should grab it just in case to see what's going on. It's an exhausting way to live, right? So, by setting new policies and boundaries, you're really just you're reclaiming that power. And it creates such an immediate shift in how you feel. And it's interesting how much resistance often comes up for people. Like, I remember, I think it's in the book Deep Work by Cal Newport, which is a great book about the difference between this sort of reactive, frizzly, frazzly, you know, work that seems productive, but it's not really versus deep work. And he talks about a, a study that was done at a large corporation, and it was around email. And the employees at the corporation, they were kind of operating in this mindset of like, well, we just need to check email all day long. That's how we get things done. So we have email alerts on our phone. We have email alerts at our desk. When an email comes in, you stop what you're doing, you reply, like, that's how we do business. That's how we get things done. And they were challenged. And I think it was over a course of like 30 days or so. They were challenged to stop and to start using email really differently. Like, checking in twice a day for 30 minutes in a really intentional way, and then not looking at email at all for the rest of the day. And there was so much resistance. People were like, that will never work. You don't get it. That's not how my job works. I can't do it that way. You know, our customers will be so upset, blah, 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 blah. They had all these reasons why that could never work, right? And they were urged, like, just try it. We're just trying an experiment. Let's just see how it goes. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right but let's try and see. And what ended up happening was it was awesome. <laughs> and people felt so much calmer. They were way less distracted. They were able to really focus on, you know, big priority projects and goals that require like your full brain power. Customers were 
not upset. They were fine. You know, they were still getting attended to and at a reasonable pace. And it was just such a positive thing for everyone. It was a total win-win. But it's interesting how when we consider making a change, big or small, our brain can just come up with all these reasons why that would never work for me. That would never work for my industry. That would never work for my business. And it's like, what if you just try? <laughs> like, just try. Just try it for a week. Try it for a day. You know, just try and see before you automatically assume that there's no way this could work. I think that's a good reminder for our funny little human brains <laughs> that love to invent reasons why it can work. Well, we're so good at like having that resistance, like, no, that's not possible. Right. Right. And I always say to my clients, like, how about you just experiment? Yeah. Right? Like, experiment. Experiment, like test it out, see how it works. Though, Alex, I have to be honest, like when you said that you gave up, your experiment was for a whole summer. I'm like, whoa, like it was my, the spark <laughs> came out of my brain. I was like, that is a long time. Years ago, um, a frequent guest on my show was Peter Walsh. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's the clutter guy. He was for Oprah. And Peter said one of the, the secrets of su success was he would commit to something and he'd absolutely commit to something and he'd commit to it for six months and he'd be a hundred percent totally committed all in. And then he would evaluate. And so when I first tried that, I was like, okay, I'm going to commit to this like really scary goal for six months. Well, that didn't work. Right. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to commit for three months. Well, that didn't work. I kept going backwards. I kept going backwards. Eventually I was like, okay, a week. And that still didn't work. I'm like, how about I commit to a day? And eventually I got down to, I will commit to it for an hour and then reevaluate. So I had to go the small steps up to build up to that muscle of six months. And so I'm amazed with you of saying no social media and all platforms for a summer. That's huge. But what we're also saying is, is you could try it for a day, a week, figure with, what's within your kind of stretch zone, not comfort zone, yeah. but stretch zone and test it out and evaluate. That's right. Yeah. And it can be any time frame that you want. It can, and there's so many ways to approach this. Like I do a course called the Marketing Without Social Media course, which is all about how to create a marketing plan that doesn't require social media. And one thing we do in that course is a social media detox. And I'm really clear with the folks in the course that like doing a social media detox can mean anything you want it to mean. It can mean that you don't look at social media on Sundays. It can mean that you step away from Friday to Sunday. It can mean that you delete everything for a week just to see how it feels. It can even mean that, you know, you keep using social media, but you set some new boundaries around it where you're not just kind of scrolling all day long, but you intentionally check in at 2 p.m. every day to do a quick scroll, see what your friends are up to, post something encouraging and lovely, and then get out of there, right? So again, it's it, everyone's different and we all have different desires and goals and lifestyles and everything. But I think it all comes back to just being really purposeful with how you use social media rather than being mindless and just getting sucked into that vortex where you're just reacting and you feel like you're no longer in charge of this tool. Well, cause it's easy, right? Like you just go and grab it and then all of a sudden you have access to this world in a way yeah. and it can distract you from what it is that you may or may not be wanting to do. Right. Yeah. Whether and it's going on a run and dealing with the difficulties. Some of the, the challenge with social media and just the internet in general is that it is limitless, right? Like 
it's not like a book mm-hmm. where you pick it up, you start reading chapter one, you finish the book, you close the book, it's over. Like it's limitless. So you, it's very easy to just go, like you said earlier, down that slippery slide. <laughs> and before you know it, the whole evening is gone and you feel more tired than ever. And you're like, what even just happened? I don't know what just happened to my life, <laughs> but it's not what I wanted. It doesn't feel good. I mean, that's, I think, an important thing to do is evaluate afterwards, right? How do you feel afterwards? Was this, do you feel filled up or do you feel drained? Are you frustrated? And then what do you want to tweak? How do you want to live it? Yeah, exactly. I I do have a question because you've said that because some people, okay, so we talked about the business realm. What are other ways? Because sometimes, and, and I actually have moved further away from this in terms of the friends base of social media, but what are ways that you make sure that you're connected with those you care about and those that you love if you don't have social media? Because that was how we all got onto the platform like Facebook yeah. back in you know the late 2000s. Right. It was about friendship for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great question. And I would say some of the things that I do these days are there's a small group of friends that I text with every single day. We have like a little group chat in our text, in our, in our text, in our phone, <laughs> whatever you call it. And I chat with them, you know, maybe not every single day, but almost every day. And those are like some of my closest friends, people who really add so much to my life. And that's lovely. It's like a little mini chat room for us. So that's one way. In these strange pandemic times where it's not as easy to see people face to face, I've been trying every now and then to schedule phone catch-ups and I'll put on my headphones, I'll go out for a walk with the dog. And while I'm walking for an hour or so, I'll just have a long conversation with a friend, someone I haven't spoken to in a while. And that feels really nice because I'm out in nature, I'm getting fresh air. I'm, you know, one could argue I'm I'm walking a little bit distractedly because I'm talking on the phone. But now that I use my wireless headphones, that makes it where, you know, I can I can focus on the road <laughs> and don't feel distracted. And then another thing that I, I'm really inspired by this author and business owner named David Wagner. He wrote a book called My Life as a Daymaker. And he talks about how you can change the world just by making someone's day. So by small acts of kindness, you can make someone's day or even change their whole life. And it can be anything from, you know, buying coffee for the person in line behind you to giving someone a few moments of your undivided attention and really being there for them to sending a gift in the mail. But I try to do those kinds of daymaker activities all throughout the month. Like this week, for example, I have a colleague here in town locally. She runs a yoga studio and she had to move into a new location And she doesn't have a new sign for the new location. So some of her customers are a little confused. They're still going to the old place. And I know that she's a single mom. She's a business owner. She's got a young kid. She's got a lot on her plate. And so I reached out to her and said, hey, could I help you make the sign that you need? I, I have an assistant. She's really great with design, printing, that kind of stuff. Like, could we just handle this for you and get it off your plate? And she was like, oh my gosh, yes, (laughs) that would be amazing. One less thing for me to do. So that felt so great. And for me, like that was a way to really be a friend in a time of need and help out in a way that I could. So moments like that, like, I don't know about you, but a moment like that, that kind of exchange or connection 
that's way more memorable and meaningful than, you know, replying to someone's tweet <laughs> personally. It's, it just feels <laughs> deeper, <laughs> you know? So I, I try to be on the lookout for ways that I can be a daymaker for my friends and, and really be a friend when they need me or even just surprise them for no reason, right? That feels so good too. And some weeks I do better than others for sure, right? Like some weeks you're just busy or you're tired or you your cup is feeling a little empty. And there are for sure weeks where I'm not as attentive to relationships and friends, but I strike a pretty good balance. And for me also too, I think one of the benefits of stepping away from social media is that when you're on social media, you know, you might have like 500 friends or a thousand friends, supposedly, but you barely even know any of these people. And stepping away from social media has been also an opportunity to go, okay, like who, who really are my friends or who are, who's my inner circle? Who, what are the relationships that I really want to nurture versus who are just sort of faces on a screen, people that maybe I'm vaguely connected to, but that we've never even met. So that's, that's another thing you gain, I think, from taking a bit of distance from social media is the opportunity to think about who do you really want to have close to you? And how could you nurture those relationships in other ways beyond social media? Well, there's sometimes so much of that old popularity, right? Do people like this? Or how many people have said, and you know, happy birthday to you on your birthday. And I notice I've even been averting from that. Like I'd rather send a card or make a call or even do a text if it's going to be a small act versus then get on the Facebook happy birthday train just because I feel like, well, that just gets so lost in there. And how do I make it more meaningful and more connection? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, like we were saying earlier, whether it's, you know, friendships, personal relationships or business relationships, social media is definitely one option in terms of connecting with people. And it can be a beautiful option, but it's not the only one. And there are so many other ways that you can connect with someone, reconnect with someone, bring someone into your life, build a strong relationship. You can send a gift, you can send a text, you can send a personal email, you can pop something in the mail, you can surprise them with like a miracle, something that's really going to make their week easier. You can just be there for them. One thing I've, I've gotten better at the last couple of years is when someone's going through a hard time to not go silent. I've been guilty of that in the past, right? Like when you know someone's going through a hard time to reach out, even if it's just a text to say, hey, I know you might be feeling really overwhelmed and tired right now. I'm here for you. Here's a couple things I'd love to do for you. Could I grab groceries for you? Could I drive you to an appointment? If you need someone to just listen while you vent and cry, let me know if you'd like any of those things. And if you're too tired to even reply, that's okay too. But just know that I'm here. Like sending those kinds of messages it takes 10 seconds, right, to reach out in that way, but the impact is huge. And those are the kinds of things I think that really make you feel secure and strong in your network and feel like you've got true friends around you who will be there for you in your time of need as well. 
one of the things during the pandemic is Emily McDowell. Do you know her empathy cards? No, that sounds cool. I love her empathy cards. Emily McDowell, she has these fantastic empathy cards and I bought a whole bunch of them. And every week or so I would send cards to different people. And I loved it too. I loved writing the cards and then sending to them. It felt really good to me versus, you know, again, the, the, the Facebook or the Instagram strolls that I was doing and making that comment, like there was just more connection for me. It was something that I, I have loved. And then the other thing that when you had mentioned, you know, how, here's how I can help. I have done that with like the ABC, right? Like knowing when I have friends that go through a hard time, the other thing that I have found is when I say, oh, how can I help you? their brains would like kind of be stopped. They didn't know how, what to ask for, what was okay to ask. Maybe they weren't good at asking. And then it's also helped me get really clear of what am I okay with doing, right? Because if they were to say, well, make me food, that would like create like a shit storm inside of me because I'm like, I have to cook for you. That's not like my great ah. skill set, right? <laughs> but what are the other things that I, I could do that could yes. be helpful that would you would want to have? So getting, the more that I could be clear with yes. others of how I could support them, has been beautiful. So I like the ABCD that I've learned from you and yes. I've applied it like with my friendships. Yes. It's so good. And it's such a great thing to, to model by example, right? When you're really clear about what you can give or what you can ask for, it inspires others to do the same. Like I'll never forget that two, two quick anecdotes. I had a, a friend a couple of years ago who went through something really traumatic and I won't go into the details, but it was really bad. She went through a very traumatic experience. And of course, everyone who knew her was worried, upset, wanted to be there for her in some way. But we were all kind of paralyzed and didn't really know even what support she wanted or was open to. And she did something that was so powerful where she sent an email to like, you know, not everyone, but like her, you know, maybe 50 friends that she considered to be quite close and she just spelled out exactly what she wanted. She was like, please don't call. Please don't text. I'm already overwhelmed and grieving. But if you want to send me something via snail mail, that would actually be really beautiful. And I would love that. And she just gave us instructions, you know, and that was, I always remember that because I thought that's really cool. And you're allowing the people in your network to be there for you in the way that you want by being clear. And you're right, though, sometimes when something difficult is happening, you almost can't even find the words to explain what it is that you want or need. And then that becomes an opportunity for your friend or colleague to say, hey, here's some options. I could do A, I could do B, I could do C. Would any of those feel good for you this week? Let me know and I'm on it. And then you're kind of alleviating some of that mental labor for them and helping them go, Oh yeah, actually B would be amazing. Yes. So Alex, now these six years that you've let go of social media, what have you filled your time and energy with now <laughs> that you don't have that as a distraction? Instead of what's, a what's on the other side I'm of this tunnel? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. So many things. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. My life has has changed in so many ways. And, and not just because of that, but because six years is a long time. <laughs> but I would say that since leaving social media, I definitely feel like my brain has been rebooted and I feel calmer. I feel sharper. I feel more focused. I've written several books. 
I got a book deal with a wonderful publisher. So the idea that you need to be on social media in order to get a book deal, not true. <laughs> Actually, a myth. I've released several courses. I've worked with lots of amazing clients. I moved to Hawaii. I have, I will say, I, and maybe it's just getting older and maybe it's other factors as well, but I feel much closer to my family and to a few very special friends who feel like family. I feel like I just have a little more bandwidth, a little more space to be a great daughter and, and sister and friend. There's a lot of beauty that's come from it. And I really no longer feel like I'm missing out on anything. Or if I'm missing out, it's like I'm happy to miss out. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff going on on social media that I would be delighted to miss. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's been a big perspective shift as well, where missing out and having less coming at you can actually be a very lovely thing <laughs> as opposed to, you know, a bad thing. Well, especially as we talked earlier about just how much bandwidth we've been depleted, right? And and we're making so many more decisions just about how to function in a regular day-to-day of make sure I grab my mask. I can't tell you how many people have told me this week of like, oh my gosh, I forgot my mask or, mm-hmm. you know, making the decisions now that in California as things are opening up, like, okay, what is okay? What's not okay? And, and making those decisions that I know my brain, the capacity sometimes has been so tapped and to the beauty of the slow steps that I'm taking to remove social media and how it's opened up my brain more yeah. has been beautiful. So I'm it very is excited. beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, one, one less decision to make, right? One less thing to think about. We could all use a little more space, a little more quiet in our lives and not have unnecessary labor to do every day. I was just thinking about how you said that you were taking a picture of your shoes, right? To post on Instagram (laughs) or something when you were on that run. Like how often are we thinking like, oh, I need to take a picture of this to put out into the world because, you know, again, whether it's we're supposed to or whatever, but we may be just missing what's really happening in front of us. And for you, it was a train. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah. Or missing the beauty in the moment, right? Like, My dad, he's been having internet issues where he lives. And so he's been coming over to my place some days in the week to like work on his laptop and use my internet, basically. And that's been so sweet because it's, we basically become co workers the last couple of weeks. We have lunch together sometimes. And like yesterday, we made a pot of tea in the afternoon. And I was going to grab my tea and just kind of go back to my office and get back to work. And he, kind of stopped me and said like, Hey, sit with me, you know, sit with me for a minute. Let's have our tea together. Let's take a moment. Let's breathe before we both go back to our computers. And we ended up having just like, it was like 15 minutes, but just such a sweet, beautiful moment, sipping tea, chatting, sitting outside, having some fresh air. And that moment almost didn't happen because I was in such a rush to get back to whatever it was I was doing. But also, like, it's really nice that that moment didn't involve us taking photos of our teacups to post on Instagram or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it was just a sweet, simple moment of connection with no devices and no need to 
like document it or prove it. <laughs> and it just felt really mm -hmm. good. And I know that I want even more of that in my life, those kinds of moments where you're just, you're just there, you're just being there. And there's no cameras or captions or documentation that needs to happen. You know, as you said that, I just realized the energy that we put into proving that it happened right. takes away from living an experience when it's happening. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, look, like having beautiful photos to capture a moment can be wonderful. I mean, there are some family photos that I treasure, of course, but do we really need to document everything, <laughs> you know, every single moment of our lives? Like it, it can become a bit overwhelming and the joy can get sucked out of it. You know, how many times has someone taken a photo, added a filter, tweaked it, you know, to, to try to create a particular image online. And it, it's not even fun anymore. It's just, it becomes sort of a chore. I think a lot of people feel that way. It doesn't have to be that way. You can choose to opt out. Yes. Yeah. Well, Alex, thank you so much for sharing your journey and that both what's happened for you professionally and personally and how it's opened up your life, not lost out on your life, right? Yeah. But your business yeah. is thriving, your personal life is thriving. And that I think is a beautiful story to share with others as they consider what steps that they want to take in having social media in their life. So thank you yeah. so much. Thank you for having me. It was really cool, actually, to think back over the last six years and go, what has happened in all that time. So thanks for the opportunity <laughs> to do that. Yes. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And we'll put a link to your program in our show notes as well. So yeah, cool. And we have some thank like, you. free checklists and other stuff as well related to changing your relationship with technology. So lots to check out. Isn't she so calm and Zen-like? <laughs> fantastic. Oh my goodness. That was so profound. What I realized at the end, if you're out there and you're taking photos, like we were talking about, and I've done it where it was like, let me take this photo so that I can post it on Instagram with this intent of proving that it happened. It was something I experienced or it's something that I'm doing. And the energy that goes with that versus when you give yourself permission to be, and I can't tell you how often I'll be I'm not going to say a lame social media user, but it's not my, my total thing. And oftentimes I'm not thinking of taking pictures, but sometimes when I can get into that proving energy, it's a lot of energy to think about it, to make a post about it, to write about it. It takes a lot of energy. And is that really where I want to spend my energy? And that's the question for you. There's not a right or wrong. It's how does it work for your life? Will it fill you up or will it take away and deplete you or will it replenish you? There's no right or wrong. We don't want to go into shaming anybody and thinking about, you know, this is the only way. And again, like I'm still astounded. Like I think about, Ooh, could I give up social media for summer? And I'm not even a very active user. I don't think I could do it for a summer, but I'd been building up habits over time where I don't go so much on the weekends. And I love the idea that my takeaway is going to be this charging station. And when I'm not actively using my phone on the weekends to put it away, to put it aside. And then that way, if I want to go on it, I have to deliberately get up and move versus, oh, it's conveniently something I can pull out of my pocket, right? I don't want things to be so convenient like that, 
that can draw my attention away from me deliberately living my life. So there was a lot of great stuff. Remember, small hinges move big doors. So take what insight that you want to incorporate and do it from a place of curiosity, right? With your capacity, with what works in your life. And there's small habits that you make over time that create these bigger habits, right? And that's the thing that's really important for all of us to do as we make these transitions and evolve to the next version of ourselves. All right. I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so.